In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betch Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betch Up Podcast for C-SPAN, music group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I was in a really good mood this morning right before we started the podcast, which is typically when I do put my bra on for the day, to be Ooh, honest. And uh, okay. today, as we were discussing, we have our holiday party. So I did have to put on a real bra, which means I am in a negative mood now. Negative mood. I'm, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry about that. That entire, that entire sequence of like... Everything is going well until a, a real bra has to come out of the drawer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It really, ever since the pandemic, I just, and I don't know if it's like, do my bras just not fit right? Or is this just all bras? Does every underwire bra need to make its presence known to me throughout the day? I think especially after it's been like, for me, I've been going a lot with like camisoles and bralettes, just leaving yeah, it Yeah, just do a lighter. sports bra every day. Like a you sports know? bra that's like three years old and not really doing much. Yeah, ex- well, it's kind of, it's interesting. Like I find the, the looseness to almost be its own level of comfort. Like it's not mm. holding me down super tight. And I'm like, this is freedom. But then the other side, then you have to like go out and interact with other human beings. And sometimes it's important for some reason to like maintain Mm-hmm. the basic the basic social structure and underwire comes back for us and it's 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 not the life i'd like to live no I, it's not I it's ruined it's fully ruined my morning but you know what we have there are worse things in the world as we discussed every True. day but it's like every time i put on an underwire bra and every single time my period begins i am just like <sighs> i do enjoy being a woman i do enjoy this lifestyle but it is just profoundly unfair shockingly unfair yeah, I I just skipped on the whole period thing by getting an implant. So I I haven't had one for like two years. But I appreciate everybody. <laughs> I, I I'm not living that life. I'm re- I've rejected it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's like the child free life. It's like I'm just nope, not for me, not for me. Uh. We will not be doing that. But I I do I I I remember I, I suffer in simpatico and I do not want to live a child free life. So I'm ready. <laughs> it's like you and the menopausal women just <laughs> nodding like we're with you. We're with you. All right. So to start today, I think we could discuss this yesterday, but it does bear repeating. Yesterday, Joe Biden was joined by LGBTQ advocates and supporters to sign the Respect for Marriage Act. Big thing that happened. The legislation ensures that if the Supreme Court were to change the legal basis for same-sex marriage, states would at least be required to recognize marriages that are legal in other states. Um, I don't know about you, Caitlin, but there are a lot of people that like don't pay super close attention that have been really confused. They're just sort of like, wait, what? Like, wasn't this already a, a thing? And I've just tried to communicate. It's it's more than symbolic. It is important. Um, but nothing necessarily is fundamentally changing yet. This is this is a this is a safeguard in case Obergefell falls, right? Yes. So basically, uh, it it's like a little bit complicated, but basically, 
there's a, a law that was on the books called the Defense of Marriage Act. And it was passed under Bill Clinton. Um, and Joe Biden was, voted for it. <laughs> yes, yes. There were a lot of people who voted for it. It was a very shitty law that was like, you don't need to recognize all these things because it was in a time that I know that sounds kind of wild, but it was not always normal to um, celebrate uh, pride and to have pride in uh, different sexualities uh, and the range of sexualities and gender identities that we're now more aware of and open to embracing. Um, And for that reason, our government was really shitty and they created DOMA. And this repealed DOMA. It repealed the Defense of Marriage Act that said, and instead of it being Obergefell, which was a decision that made it legal and technically obligatory for all states to allow um, same-sex marriage under the 14th Amendment, I think that was it. The point is, is that like, if that goes down, if that decision goes down, now you are required to recognize that marriage can be um, same-sex and basically partners of the same gender um, can can have a legal marriage and that marriage has to be respected by other states. The state itself does not have to perform them, though, which is the downside. Mm-hmm. I hope that was clear. Yeah, perfectly clear. Thank you. Yeah, what was that terrible woman's name that like kept like getting fired from her job in Kentucky? Oh my gosh, because the she... one in Kentucky. I... Oh, I honestly, I'm really happy for myself that I can't remember her name. It was Kim something, right? I know our listeners remember. I just remember her hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, good. That chapter is is over, right? We're not going to have to remember who this person is. Mm-hmm. Kim Davis, Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis, of course, of course. Yeah. Also yesterday I loved, I think it was over the weekend, this young man named Andrew Hartz, Hartzman or Hartz, I can't remember, his aunt is in Congress and she is the one that cried when, when they were discussing this bill because she was just so concerned about, about, um, how this could impact uh, people's freedom of religion. And he just beautifully, beautifully, beautifully responded to her in a viral TikTok, uh, just pointing out perfectly how it is not these religious institutions that are being oppressed on Vicky. And he... uh, it was very satisfying to see that the invite that the White House invited him to the signing yesterday, and he and he was there. I I would suspect his aunt was not. Uh, yes, I suspect that, that was not a a signing. It's that kind of thing that really blows my mind, I guess, because I'm I'm very, been very fortunate to have like a, a nuclear unit of a family that is very supportive and very um, loving and respectful. But it would just blow, it like blows my mind when it's like you have people in your life that you ostensibly should care about and you are actively trying to contribute to their misery. Like I could not, I do actively no. and publicly. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're like, you're so worried about like the, the, this other, this other thing. You put it priority above like the actual thing that you're supposed to care about, which is your family and the people around you. Like I'm I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things in Christianity about caring for people. Yeah. We'll discuss this more at the end, but I just really love this how Gen Z is just giving it back to them. Like giving it like, okay, Aunt Vicky, you're gonna go out on, on this public platform and do this. I'm gonna do it too. And it is sometimes TikTok is a meritocracy and his surfaced and now everybody got to hear his point of view. And she looks like an asshole because she is 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. One of our 2020 MVPs is making another last minute appearance. It is Mark Meadows' text inbox. I just, I say this every single time, but as a person who does not manage being overstimulated well, does not manage getting a lot of slacks and text messages at the same time, like I have to put people on do not disturb, I have to change, like I just do not manage it well and I get reactive and I can't handle it. This man was getting, it's got to be hundreds of texts a day that he was responding to. I just can't wrap. I mean, like, obviously, the more chilling thing here is the content of the text, but I just have to take a moment. To, like, I do not, I do not understand how this man was able to manage his text inbox and survive. I would have run out of there. I would have set myself on fire. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot. Like, it's a lot. I, I would say, like, what it's kind of one of the expectations of being chief of staff to the president of the true, United true, States true. Um, is that you, you basically don't have any unreads in here. <laughs> yes. Well, please do not recruit me for that job. Uh, I am not interested. <laughs> but in I, I love this like late season reappearance. Like we, he was at the it's beginning crazy. of the season. Like we totally forgot. Lots of other things happened. And then like late last minute, like, oh my gosh, like at the last second, 
right before mm-hmm. January 6th is about to wrap up this season. And like, I don't know if they're going to hand off to the Senate. Like we have no yeah. idea what's going to happen, but like what a last minute twist in Bob this Shell. season. Absolutely. Okay. And what we're talking about is that Talking Points Memo published 2,300 texts. Okay, 2,300 texts turned over to the House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. They say they got the text from multiple sources, so I think some of them are the ones that were turned over to the committee, but I think they also say that they have texts that haven't been made public before and that the committee does not have. They show, I think the the gist of this is they show like just how many people in Congress were involved. Talking Points Memo is going to sort of, I mean, this is an incredible project what they're doing. They're sort of, they're analyzing different sort of like people of significance. It seems like their first batch, they're looking at members of Congress and they're looking at several different angles of that. And there's, there's, I really encourage you to spend some time going through it. I didn't want to just talk at you all of the details. Um, it's just worth going through, just looking at the text themselves, you know, seeing the blue bubbles of people being like, which I, I talked to Pennsylvania and they're down. So anyway, these texts really sort of paint a picture of how many people were involved in this effort beyond Donald Trump. I mean, I think this year, especially since the insurrection the past two years, has really felt really focused on getting people to understand that Trump wanted this, that he did this, that he motivated these people to do this. And what stood out to me in this and what I think Talking Points Memo is trying to point out is that this was a coordinated effort with members of Congress. I was about to say, not just like batshit crazy Republicans. But that, as Kamala Harris would say, I love Venn diagrams, and uh, there's a lot of there's a, cro- a lot of crossover there. Specifically, Mark Meadows exchanged text messages with at least 34 Republican members of Congress as they plotted to overturn President Trump's loss in the 2020 election. And he received at least 364 messages from those members who discussed attempts to overturn the election results. So these, again, I encourage you to look at them. They range from begging Meadows to give them any evidence of fraud. Like some of them are like, we want to help you and the president, but we're not seeing anything that we can work with. Normally, we saw that from like actual like legal people. There there was like one member of Congress and he, he he was one that ended up not voting to against certification. But most of them are, you know, suggesting ways that that evidence can be found, saying that they're in talks with like this state legislature. There's a references to an alternative Cruz effort uh, that suggests Cruz said Cruz was working on his own angle to keep Biden from becoming president. It just the picture that they painted to me was that the people in the highest level of government were also, you know, happy to see this man who had not won still become president. What was sort of the most kind of like chilling or or um significant part for you of this this drop? That all of them are still in office. They're all still eligible for office. That's the most distressing thing about all of this. It, I mean like it's one thing to sit down and like look at people being like how can we just ignore voters? Like voters made a decision and we disagree with that decision. And it's our job to figure out some way of telling voters that they don't fucking matter and we don't care what they think. And that's just like, that's one thing. But another thing is to realize that every single one of these people has faced zero consequences for plotting a coup and then actually getting away with it. And I I find that quite distressing. Yeah, we've had all of these people on trial and sentence that, you know, got the invitation basically. But None of the motherfuckers that sent the invitation, that got the invitation printed, that found the address, like none of these people. It is pretty shocking. And I mean, I guess this is so many people that surely some of them just got reelected, got reelected as well. I mean, this sort of brings us into the Congress is going to turn over. I mean, this year is ending and that's also a part of the new year coming. How is January 6th going to sort of loom in our minds and the discourse? I know for me personally, obviously I follow the news and I'll 
continue to be following it. And I know people on our team will, but like a lot of the way that I got my information about January 6th was from the House Committee's work. Um, you know, not necessarily, and then, you know, some, some journalism, some like drops of like big scoops, but you know, how, how, what do you think the next year looks like for getting justice, for getting accountability? And how do we, how do we stay motivated to like keep pushing for it? I mean, well, first I want to say that like Republicans are doing the most right now. They are doing, they're, they keep coming up with stuff like like Mark, M- MTG came up like like last week. Last week she gave a speech about how she had done January sixth. It would have worked because everyone would have been murdered. I was like, you guys, like you need to. If I were you right now, with with the January sixth commission wrapping up and all this other stuff, I would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. We love America. We would never try to overthrow it with violence. Like, why mm-hmm. would you ever believe that? Um, just that way, at least like maintain some plausible deniability and also not convince people like, um, maybe we should, maybe there should be consequences. Maybe there should be some, some serious consequences. Um, you've got them actively just uh, still out there just saying stuff like this. And that's, that's the thing that's like really distressing. I think that, um, I'd love January 6th committee to suggest some legal remedy you know like they are lawmakers you can write things you can write laws i can't believe that hasn't happened yet we need it bears repeating that that has not happened yeah it, it that's like honestly like they're just talking about all this stuff and don't get me wrong the committee's work was unbelievable i actually know somebody who was a professional house investigator and like that means that the work that was done they used to be they are not they were not working on this but like gotcha. they the amount of work that's necessary to track down all of this stuff is unbelievable the staff has done an extraordinary job everybody gets gold stars and i hope a, a week off in whatever location you would like um <laughs> it's just paid like like can we do that can we pass a law that's just like Every staffer on this committee just gets a, a paid vacation from the government. Yeah, your districts in uh, your districts in Michigan. That's all right. You can go to Hawaii. Yeah, wherever you want to go. No Hawaii tourism. We're trying to, to preserve. I, I know. I, I thought that yeah. as soon as I said that. I know it's okay, but um, but the point is, is that like anywhere but Hawaii. Anyway, so <laughs> anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere you want to go, feel free. So my point is, is that like we, we it was a lot of work. Um. I wish they would hand it over to the Senate. Uh, that's my big mm-hmm. one because the Senate now will have subpoena power um, with that 51. I understand that Kirsten Cinema is saying that she's going to continue caucusing even though she's not a Democrat anymore. That's fine. Yeah. It still gives the numbers. Um, if she did anything less, like everyone would just murder her. So there's, there's that. There was a clip going around yesterday that like, it was just of Joe Biden. It was just like some, you know, like, b-roll of the signing and like people talking to each other just like good people watching and like Kirsten Cinema was shaking Biden's hand and he says something to her and then you can clearly see her sort of like pause a little taken aback slightly and sit and mouthing very clear and saying very clearly no we're good so I almost wonder if he was like this is all conspiratorial this is all, but like I I can totally see Joe Biden being like do we need to have a conversation like are we good can we rely on you and she just is like no we're good but it's like yeah Fuck around and find out. If you say you're going to be an independent, the leader of the Democratic Party is going to ask you if we're going to have some problems. I honestly can't believe that they were they haven't been doing work with her. Like 
the the thing that bothers me so much is like how m- much Mitch McConnell very she's very clearly on his side of the board. She's she's mm-hmm. not on on our side of the board in any way. She's not letting Joe Biden make decisions about how their relationship is going to work. She's decided that she is allied with Republican ends to some to some degree. And even though she's going to vote with Democrats, she is willing to stymie things that are really necessary for Democrats to functionally run the government. And again, she's allying herself with people who, like Mitch McConnell's fully aware that Ted Cruz is in his caucus and actively plotted to overthrow the government. And Ted Cruz is like the worst person in the world. Nobody likes him. I mean, Lindsey Graham should have said like, if you murdered him in the Senate and like held a trial there, no one would convict you. And, like, that's, that's a fellow senator from the same party who like hangs out with Donald Trump. And he's like, no, you are so bad. We would kill you and nobody would go to jail. And, that's, that's how much Ted Cruz is awful. And yeah. And yet, Mitch McConnell will not cross that line and be like, you need to go. It's not like he's going to risk a Democratic senator from Texas. There's right. no chance. You're going to get somebody else. Just why not? Why not just? Anyway, I, I think that yeah. that's, that's a problem going forward. There's just so many things that are just sitting out there. Crazy cinema, um, you know, the Senate having subpoena power. The GOP house being fragile. Who knows? It's a chaos bomb waiting to go off. I said at the beginning of the week that I thought that Joe Manchin did have like a like a personal like identification with a, the Democratic Party, and that he would change his even if his views were fully conservative, he would still call himself a Democrat. I was wrong because I think uh, somebody, a reporter, asked him yesterday, like, "Would you consider it?" And he didn't like close the door to switching parties. Yeah, or to to being an independent. He was just sort of like, oh, you never know. Things can happen. You know, I do what I want to do. But that's Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin going to Joe Manchin. He's in, he's, he's in West Virginia. There's there's a knowledge that no other Democrat's going to hold that seat. I mean, you know what I want. I want the January 6th committee to come out with a legislative recommendation to enforce the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which is just sitting there. It's in the Constitution. We had a previous insurrection. Yeah, it's, this is crazy. I feel like these are the texts that show you. I, I, I'm just baffled. I'm baffled. I know why. It's because Liz Cheney does not want any harm to actually happen to the Republican Party, which is why there's such a focus on Trump. They, there's even been leaks from inside the, the committee that were basically like, we think you're focusing too much on Trump and not enough on the the scope of this. Because- Donald Trump, I do not believe he could plan an Easter egg hunt. Like, I really don't. I don't think he could. Let alone an overthrow of the United States uh, government. Like, you, you guys, this was not him. Do you watch Real Housewives of Potomac? I don't. Oh, there was, if you do, if you do and you're listening, it's it just reminding me of Robin's family fun day. Like, that would be the insurrection that Trump planned. You're right. Like, he didn't do this. He did not do this. People did this for him. This man could not plan. A f- oh. He really could. Oh, man. This man was having like a whole breakdown, throwing plates at the wall and trying to choke out secret agents. Or <laughs> secret service agents. I know it's so funny because people still, no matter how many, it's like, how could this have possibly happened? It's like, well, here are 2,300 text messages. Here, here is how this possibly, possibly happened. Be- because he's a king, you know, to them, to them, he's the king of the Republican Party. And now they're trying to depose him and install Ron DeSantis. But the structure is the same. He has absolute power. 
So when he says something like, I want to be president forever, people run to make that happen. Mm-hmm. We should be focusing mm-hmm. on the people who run around to do that. that that's, that's the weak point. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned Ron DeSantis, and we talk a lot on this show about like the Democratic bench and who are going to be some of our 2024 people. We've been talking about that since 2020, and now we're sort of going to get into the you know the next couple months. We're going to see more conversation about that. Do you have any idea? Like, do you have any guesses of which Democratic leaders will really kind of start flexing next year to kind of set themselves up to raise their profile ahead of 2024? Maybe people that we don't talk about constantly. Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. I I I have a I'm a big believer in her. I really see it. Uh, that Democratic trifecta in, uh, in the Michigan State House, the you know the coordination it took, the fact that she has a a standing relationship with Black voters, which she has to in order to be a Democratic governor in Michigan. These are big things. These are important things for for candidates going into an election cycle, a uh, presidential election cycle. Um, let's see who else. I, mean, I do feel oh. like she's chart like after that win. Like obviously, when she had all those interviews, she's like, "I'm doing this job. I'm I'm not running." Um, but I can yeah. I can see her t- working on raising her national profile. Like that that team definitely has confidence. We love we got to work with them to have her, and they're amazing. And they're like. She definitely seems to be setting them up in that direction. I am hopeful. Hopefully, TikTok not being allowed on state government phones doesn't hold them back. My worst fear about that is is local government TikTok because it's it's so good. Okay, so Gretchen Whitmer definitely. What do you think about what do you think Pete Buttigieg? I know his relationship with black voters is not good to non-existent. Do you think he's still gonna? It's still bad. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like, to the, improve. What would have improved it? Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing for any white candidate ahead of the next cycle is you need a relationship with black voters and they need to be able to trust you the trust that in the moments, like one of the things that, that Joe Biden had, if he had not been Barack Obama's VP, he's not president today. That's just a simple math. Like everyone knows it. He knows it. We know it. Every voter knows it. We all are aware that Joe Biden is only president today because he was Barack Obama's VP. The big reason for Black voters was not like, oh, Barack Obama, VP. It's because this old white guy who had so much more experience was willing to be second to a Black man. He was willing to subordinate. And not only that, he was not only just willing to subordinate, he was willing to work with him and to work with him in the ways that Barack Obama asked for him to be. He gave him, Barack Obama gave him enormous respect as VP something that normally does not happen at all. And that the fact that he reflected back that respect was huge, mm-hmm. huge. It cannot be quantified because I, I don't know. The thing is, is like when you look at black people's relationships with white people in this country, it's it, on an individual level, we're just kind of always expecting to be betrayed. So the fact that he didn't was a huge deal. The fact that he had a lot of reasons to was a huge deal. The fact that he 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 stayed with him and that, that relationship was he was able to connect with black voters this way, that's a huge deal. If you don't have something equivalent, you as a white candidate are not getting anywhere. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna be very honest about that. Because black people yeah. control this process and South Carolina wants to move up. And I just don't know you're if you can't win black voters, you are not winning the Democratic nomination. 
It's just fundamentally true. So you can either split or you can hope for something, but Pete Buttigieg does not have it right now. And I don't know where that trust going to come from unless he says something crazy. Like, I know we're just going to do streetcars everywhere in America. I'd be like, wow, that's <laughs> deep. That's like, wow, free streetcars in America. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Like, he could do holy it. Holy crap. Like, if he does that, then like, I don't know. And then he's like, we're going to start in black communities. I'd be like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a huge change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as we're talking about this, I forget that, that, Biden has said, you know, I I don't think I'm moving out of the way. But yeah, it does always sting to me when, as somebody who does really love Kamala Harris, like she does not really rise to the top when we're having this conversation. Do you think she's going to spend any of next year trying to change that? I think she needs to be allowed to. That is entirely up to Joe Biden. Your VP has as much power as you give them. And he has, I'm not going to say sabotaged her. I don't think that's fair. But he has not given her an opportunity to shine. And that's a problem. That's a, that's a really serious problem. You know, if he doesn't mm-hmm. give her space to raise her profile and give her something that she can actually do, like he gave her voting rights knowing that there was no way it was going to work. And then he basically allowed people to blame her for voting rights not working out, which, sir, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a pretty shitty thing to do to somebody who you ostensibly say you care about. It, it's there needs to be more there. I need she needs to get into a, like a fight and she needs to win it. Yes. And if she can do that, mm-hmm. I see a path forward for her because that's that's the easy part, right? Like she's the black vote is is there for black candidates if you look like you can win a fight. Because if you can't mm-hmm. win a fight, no one's gonna come. No one's gonna back you up. That's that's a losing effort. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have um. For like the holidays, we're going to do like a holiday like watch party where we're going to watch episodes of like West Wing and Veep. I'll be emailing you because I want to ask all of the hosts to sort of like do like live tweets or memes, whatever their platform is. But uh, as we were talking, it could be funny to have you do an episode of, of Veep and just talk about all of the ways that Kamala Harris is also not being – just has to do like ridiculous things. Oh, yeah. The politics is ridiculous. It, I love Veep for the absurdity. Just being my <laughs> So much ribbon cutting. One person who, maybe not 2024, but just like I think is presidential is Tiss James. And I don't know why we don't hear her name more. Is it, do you think that like, do you think that her position as sort of like the one going after Trump would hurt her in a general election? This is very like speculatory or, or help her as a Democratic nominee. Wow, that's so crazy. Like my former council member being president of the United States. I mean, have you ever seen was, her speak? It's incredible. Like I it's I mean, I, I grew up with her. Like I I, I was my dad was like like close to her. Like I That's yeah, why I'm I, asking you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I remember being in like rooms with people discussing like what they were gonna do and, and stuff like that. Um, so that's wild. Also Hakeem Jeffries, I also was a child yeah. around him and that's very weird. Like now he's gonna be Democratic yeah. leader. It's like this is a lot of change for me. Um, in a good way. I'm I'm happy for everybody. Um, Tish James. I think that I mean, I think her national profile has shrunk a little bit because Trump's not actually in office. Um uh, I think that she's facing but she's she won very easily in New York, but people would like to make a scandal out of some issues that she's had around her staff. Right. Um, I don't think there's actually a scandal scandal there same way i i think like you do what you can in the context that you have um 
And I, I think that she needs she needs something bigger than being a lawyer. The same way that I felt that Kamala Harris was running. She was like, when she ran the first time, before we even got to vote and she dropped out, but she was like, I'm going to bring justice and I'm going to do all this. I was like, you sound like you're running for AG. You do not sound like you're running for president of the United States. You can't do any of the things that you're talking about from that office. Right. I'm not quite sure what your plan is for the presidency, which is the office that you ostensibly want to run for. Great lawyers who can do great finding the criminals to the degree that like we yeah. crime is not a construct. Um, you know, that's great. But like you need to have something that you have on policy because running this country is not a a legal battle. It is a political battle to get things done. So I want to see what she's got for that. U.S., I mean, like ultimate attorney general Letitia James seems like a, a no-brainer. If she'll, if she'll leave New York. In this new term, I'm not going to lie. Like, I would be so excited if like, if like he was like, Merrick, it's been good. We've had a good two years. Um, I'm going to go for, <laughs> like, I would, I would love Joe Biden to be like, I'm not running again. Open up the space for a lot of new Democrats and go for broke. Just basically be like, since I'm only doing one term and I've agreed to it now, we've got two years to just do everything possible. I'm going to set up Democrats for success as much as I can, because I don't know if it's really worthwhile to have an octogenarian. <laughs> I know. It's it's a lot, man. Like you can you can go chill. Like we want you to have a retirement and not like die in office. Like, can you have you thought about that? Like, go chill for a bit. Yeah. Well, this is a fascinating conversation and one that we will have at least 34 times in Q1 of next year. That is our show. That will be Caitlin's last show of this year. We're going to take some time off. I'll give you guys more details tomorrow. There will be shows. Don't worry. We're just going to we're going to prep them ahead of time and we'll be on the mic if there's crazy news as always. That's our show for today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.